Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper for the evening, Keeper Michael, and we are back in England with our crew for Masks of Nerolothotep, and we have such wonders and sights to show you. So, first introductions to my right. This is Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, and we're going clubbing. Indeed you are. Indeed you are. Uh, to his right. I'm Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and Mr. Forsyth and Jack are going to probably get in some trouble. It's always possible. Uh, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I never get in trouble. I don't know what you're talking about. She's just jealous she's not clubbing with us. Right? I am. Uh, to uh, to Jake's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, who has been thinking many deep and complicated thoughts. Yeah, you had a rather uh, juicy event last week, didn't you? Uh, to the doctor's right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and I just hope that Jack and Lawrence don't get clubbed with the club that I found. Mm, yeah, that would be bad. Uh, and then last, but most certainly not least. This is Alex. I'll be playing Simone Lorenger. I guess we're still a bird perching. You're returning to Limehouse, yes? To your uh, temporary location? Yes. Home. Home, sure. I mean, as much as any place is home for you. Um, but this one has a nice landlady. And she bakes you muffins. So... Uh, as we raise the curtain tonight, we will go back to the Waldorf Astoria, and we will look in on Mr. Forsyth and uh, Mr. Doyle as they uh, head to Soho to investigate the Blue Pyramid Club. You probably would get out there mid-morning, say, maybe at latest noon, yes? Yeah. Finding the club isn't terribly difficult, at least finding it by uh, the directions that you were given from your contact at Scotland Yard. Inspector Barrington was uh, nice enough to remind you that they had the club watched, but they couldn't get any sort of tangible evidence from it. It's situated around 12B Amird Street in Soho, London. You see that there's uh, quite a few cheap eating houses and coffee shops like the Moorish Cafe and the Algerian. It seems to be fashionable with intellectuals and writers and artists. There is a, there is a very bohemian air to Soho. You see a lot of uh, a lot of people that don't look English at all. A lot of foreigners, a lot of maybe people who are chasing the white dragon, maybe a few drunken revelers. Uh, it's It's got quite a different vibe to it, Jack. It almost feels like, quite frankly, it, it reminds you of the Levy District in Chicago. Yeah, I feel a little bit like home. A little bit. One of the things you first notice as you're going down the street towards the address that the inspector gave you, and that is all the places here, all the all the locations that look like club fronts, they're all closed. Well, it's probably not time for them to open. Yeah, I, I kind of figured this was a nightclub, so it probably was uh, not going to be all of it, but I wanted to get it, it, at least get to it and see, make sure. Sure. Uh, the outside of the building is relatively nondescript. Uh, you can tell that there's a door there. You see that there's also a, a green grocer the, at the main level. So as you're walking down the street, there's a green grocer there. And that you can tell that there's a pair of uh, dark black doors where this number 12 is. There's no actual sign that says Blue Pyramid Club. Uh, but you see the 12B. Hmm. All right. Well, kind of reminds me of Chicago. Quite a bit, actually. 
does it remind us of, of a speakeasy in the sense that uh, you better know somebody to get in? Do you think? Just from the look of it? I think you could take that interpretation from it, Mr. Forsyth. It, it does seem like it uses the word club with a capital C. Mm. Right, well, I mean, might as well knock on the door. Uh, better idea? Hmm. Why don't we go get some coffee? All right. Okay. I'm going to just the local place around here? Yeah. You said the Moroccan Cafe. Uh, yeah. Moorish Cafe. But, yep, it's there. And it is available for you. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few different places to sit. You can see, you smell uh, tobacco as well as coffee in the air here. The guests here are definitely uh, the literary type. Yeah, we'll get some coffee. The gentleman behind the counter serves you uh, some coffee as you're at. There's a, a few different selections here. There's also tea, a wide selection of tea here as well. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Is, is everything right? Yeah, so everything's great. Um, do you know anything about the uh, club across the way? His eyes perk up a little bit. Well, it's another club in Soho. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Place I hear. Have you been? No, I haven't. I uh, I'm just interested. I heard from some interest of some other people that it was a really nice club, and I thought uh, I'd check it out later. Hmm. Yes. Uh, looks around the cafe for a moment. Some of the members come in here around five o'clock to. Uh, you know, fortify themselves before the evening's events. Mm. Uh, of course. Members? Is is it is it a private club? Oh, yes. Yes, but very easy on the eyes for gentlemen inside. Ah, uh, of course. He uh, leans over the bar, uh, leans over the counter a bit and says, it's not difficult to get the, uh, to get a membership provided you can pay the toll. Oh, of oh. course, uh, do you know anything about that? It's more than a little bit of money, but not too much. He kind of makes a cautionary hand gesture. Mm. Oh, oh. Uh, you should take coins as well. Coins? Mm. Yes, uh, for the girls. Oh. Uh, very good. So who would, we, who would we go see, or do we just do that at the door? There should be a man at the door, as there always is. I definitely have, we'll definitely have to... Uh come back and take a look. Mm. It opens just after uh, dinner, about six. Excellent. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you very much. Yeah. Go out, sit down, and enjoy your coffee. To, uh, yeah. Just uh, people watch for a little bit. Well, the area here is full of very interesting people. Many different cultures, many different um, predilections. You can see that there are a fair amount of there. There's a fair amount of buying, selling, and trading that goes on in the streets of Soho. It it has a reputation for sure. You also see a significant lack of police officers. Whereas when you were near the wall of Astoria, you would see them walking in relatively regular intervals. It's about a third of that here. Interesting feels like Harlem. A little bit. You also hear a lot of different languages here. Egyptian is very prevalent. You know, Lawrence, I, uh, I've thought that maybe we should somebody should learn a little bit of Egyptian if we're going to Egypt. It might come in handy. <sighs> yes, it, it, it probably will. Assuming we go to Egypt. Of course we're going to Egypt. We're not the ones running this running this train. I think you underestimate how much pull we might have here, but that's fine. So, after about midday and you're finished with coffee, what are the plans for the two of you? I actually want to go to the Petri muse- Museum. Again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, stopping down there isn't difficult. Uh, you find the museum just as you did before, quiet. Hilda's working. Hilda is working. She greets you as you walk in. Oh, Mr. Doyle, you're back. Yes, yes. Uh, I found out some information that uh, your uh, employer might be interested in. 
course. Come right this way. She steps over towards the exhibit area. You can tell that there's nobody here in the immediate area. What did you What did you find? I found out something about the uh, crime that uh, Mr. Penchurch had talked about and something about a cult. We have a name for it. Okay. What is it? Uh, Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. Fascinating. Apparently, uh, they use these uh, large spiked clubs in their uh, rituals. Any idea what for? Uh, something about uh, beating people to death. So they virtually murder people? Yes. Which is apparently how they're doing the uh, murders, the Egyptian murders. Seems to be the uh, implement they're using here. So is it just a mimicry, you think? Honestly, I don't think so. So you think the cult is here? I think the cult is here and it's active. Be shocking. I mean, the, the from everything we knew, the cult had died out hundreds of years ago. I think it's just, it's been underground for a long time. Either that or somebody has resurrected it. Hmm. Well, I'll obviously mention it to Mr. Penchurch and we can continue. He's left for the day. I'll give her our contact information. She takes it. Um, also, he had talked about a, uh, a rather gruesome death at the British Museum. Yes. Well, I found out that the police have no knowledge of it. No knowledge at all? None. How is that possible? That's a very good question, because it's not likely... It's not like uh, you can just kill somebody in an uh, institute like that and get away with it. No, without the police finding out anything. No, someone would have said something. Yeah, you would think. Be careful going to the British Museum, I guess. <laughs> Pass on the information we uh, had gathered, and if he has any insight, could you have Mr. Penchurch uh, contact me? Absolutely, Mr. Doyle, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And if there's anything else you find out about this cult in London, please let us know. We will. I have a feeling that we're on the same side of this war. Let's hope so. Well, I guess I'll back, go back to the hotel and... Uh, Miss Lane, you are spending the mid, the morning and mid-morning people watching. That is correct. There are a myriad of people for you to watch. All shapes, sizes. But most of them are around about the same color. There is a definite air to most of the people that walk in here of privilege of profit and even some peerage so there are some titled people that you hear addressed so you hear sir or you uh, there are definitely some titles that are that are lofted around is there anything anything out of place or anything i notice that am i being watched or you don't really get the feeling like you're being watched. Um, the service staff there is attentive, but they're not watching you, per se. Okay. Then probably about midday, I would um, probably go and grab some, some lunch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing as I'm alone at the moment, I would take it back to my room and eat in the um, the common room there. Sure. As you're finishing it up there, there's a, a knock on the door. Get up from my uh, table and, you know, before I answer the door, I, I'm asking, um, who's there? Yes, Miss, Miss Lane, it's a member of staff. Um, it's from the front desk. I open the door slightly and um, how can I help you? You see a member of staff uh, dressed in, um, you know, their fitted attire and there's a white envelope in his hand. There's a message that's come for you at the front desk. Great. Um, I take the, you know, I thanked him. I, I kind of reached towards my, um, my pocket. I wouldn't call it a pocketbook, but like my change purse. And I grab, you know, a tip for them and give that to them. Okay. He nodded and accepted. Thank you. Have a good day. 
of course. And I close the door and I go sit back down and open the, the white envelope. Open the envelope. It's uh, a note. So it's been fold, folded into two. And it says, I have spoken with Mr. Gavigan on the matter that was brought to my attention. And we would be happy to meet you. And it gives a, a number to reach them at. And it's signed Thomas Kinnery. Okay. I'm assuming since he said they would they would be happy to meet with me, or we'd be happy to meet with me, that, that includes Mr. Gavigan as well. You could make that assumption. Unless it's the proverbial we. <laughs> well, um, it could be the royal we, I guess. The royal. The royal we. Great. Um, so I put that note back in the envelope and um, put it on the table. And there is one thing I did want to check out, um, which is kind of why I wanted it. I asked the date earlier in chat, Mike. Um, I know it's one thing that I do want to go check out the Hotel Metro Metropole okay. in, um, at Richard's place in London. Jackson stayed there when he was. Mm-hmm. here um so i just kind of wanted to, I, I know it's been a couple months um i kind of wanted to go ask um the front desk kind of check out the place ask the front desk if um if they remember jackson um if they remember if anybody he might have spoke to or met i mean he he kind of does leave an impression when he is around so or when he was around so okay yeah and no, i mean getting to the hotel is relatively easy getting to a member of staff there um, the feedback that you get from them is that they they don't remember him staying here, um, that they apologize. They have many guests. Um, after they review some books, because you wouldn't just simply take a, a simple answer, uh, a member of uh, the management service staff there says that uh, they, they do have him having stayed here uh, several months ago, but that his uh, bill was uh, paid in full and that... Uh, there are no um, notes of concern on his uh, entry. And there was nobody that stayed with him or nobody else that paid the bill? No, no. Uh, it appears that uh, this uh, gentleman, Mr. Elias, paid for it. Uh, well, there is a note here that he paid in a, in a in U.S. currency. Probably a member of staff simply just had to make some adjustments to the final bill. I thank him for his time and um, just kind of proceed to go back to the to Waldorf Astoria. When you are returning, Lawrence and Mr. Doyle are returning at the same time. So the two of you, three of you, kind of squished together. I nod over, over to them. Miss Lane. Yes, Mr. Doyle. How was your trip? Uh, we found out a little information. What, what's the uh, Blue Pyramid Club about? Um, it's somewhat of a gentleman's club. Ah, I see. And were you guys able to get inside, or I'm assuming it's not open until later? Yes, it'll be open after dinner, and, uh, at least I, I don't know if Lawrence wants to attend. Interesting. Well, I I suspect that as a trip I cannot make with you. It would be a little out of place and unacceptable for me to go into one of those. (laughs) It it may be, yes. (laughs) It would probably highly damage your reputation, Miss Lane. Absolutely, and we don't want to do that. Not if you're in disguise. Well, I'm sure you guys will have an entertaining time when you go. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did receive a message, well, from the Penny Hugh Foundation, and uh, Mr. Kennery is happy to happy to meet with. He talked to Mr. Gavigan, um, and is happy to meet with me. Um, I am just waiting on a callback from Simone when he is available to see if he'd like to join me on this excursion. Yeah. Sounds like it would probably be a, a good time for the both of you. I know. I'm sure he's looking forward to it. I'm sure he is. Um, other than that, it's been fairly, um, it's been fairly, uh, uneventful here. I've just been kind of people watching. What are your plans now? I'm, I already grabbed lunch, so I was going to retire to my my room for a while to you know take a quick nap. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I might I should probably take a nap as well because it might be a late night for me. <laughs> well, 
that's putting it mildly. All right, I uh, go back to my room. Very well. Simone, you arrive at your house, your your home. It's got to be super late, right? It's pretty late, yeah. Yeah. So I will do my absolute best to be as as stealthy as possible, so as not to uh, n- unnecessarily wake up anybody. Quiet as a church mouse, you manage to find your way back inside. Um, you are fairly confident as you begin to make your way upstairs that uh, you haven't roused anyone's suspicions at this point. Uh, and making it into your room is relatively easy. You know the stairs, you know the hallways, where to step and when not to step. Uh, and as you enter your domicile, you notice that there is a note at the door. I smile, pick it up. I don't look at it right away. Is there anything written on it? No, there's nothing written on it. Okay, um, yeah, I'll just hold on to it for now. I shut the door, I kind of settle in, and I just kind of start getting things together to, so I can draw myself a bath. And when I do that is when I'm going to read this, whatever it is. <laughs> it's just a relatively simple note from uh, your landlady who says that a woman named Lillian reached out and said that you would know how to contact her. She's looking to speak with you. Awesome. And you can even tell the care that the landlady took to even write the note. Like her penmanship is exceptional. I'll just kind of hold on to it for a second and set it on the sink while I settle in. And I guess uh, I'm going to relax for a little bit, get cleaned up. And then uh, I'm going to take the basket that my pastries came in. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the you know towel that they came with and everything is there. I'll be grabbing some extra clothes and whatever I can snag out of the pantry to make sure that I still have a bit of food in case my rooftop stay is going to be extended. And then I will leave again. But on my way out, I'm going to drop the basket off at her door. Uh, and I'm going to fold, what is it, a, a pound sterling into the yeah. into the, to- into the towel. And I'll leave it there, like outside her door. That's not very nice of you. So your bath as a note on it is exceptional getting clean after being on that and being around all of the chimney sweeping is uh is it, it's something else unfortunately it didn't last long enough this time but yeah you make your way back out in the evening uh, so you're planning on refocusing back at Penhue. i have to get in touch with if it's the middle it's the middle of the night essentially and a, a gentleman caller isn't really isn't really something that i want thrown around the uh front desk <laughs> so I will prowl around the docks for a little bit just to, so I can get an idea as to where or whether or not there's a there's a Ferris and Sons uh, out here mm-hmm. you know whether it's a, a warehouse or a um, like a, a garage or whatever I look for either the truck or the sign uh, for some time without you know okay following that I will probably wait until morning and then I will call the hotel, like, before breakfast. All right, I'll play that in mind. Uh, we'll get back to you in a little bit. Earlier that day, after their encounter at a very troubled asylum in Bedford, Dr. Tottenbach and Miss O'Shea are making their way, I assume, back to London. I really want to get to that house since we have a good general idea of where it's at. However, if Samantha knows where it's at exactly, but I think we might be able to find it, and if it's not that far, we could just take a train. Well, one of the things you realize, Ms. O'Shea, that you're struggling with is you're struggling with knowing where any of these places are. It's like being in a big city again and simply not knowing where all of the suburbs are. Yeah. Whereas Chicago is in the 20s is very much only densely packed around the downtown area, north side, and then obviously the, the south side is the industrial part of town. London has been around for hundreds of years, if not, you know, well over that. And so there are boroughs and neighborhoods and you just you don't know enough of the city. You need to get a better lay of it. And while it might be all well and good to to strike out and and go to Candom immediately. The one thing that you're having a hard time getting past 
is the smell of burning flesh. Yeah, I know. But also, I'm like really close to finding potentially where my father went, so that is kind of a driving force. Okay. So she's willing to ignore that, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we we got to get on a train either way, so either way it's going to be uncomfortable, I guess. How are you finding your way there? What, to the train? Back to the train station? No, I mean, specifically to Camden, how are you finding your way there? Oh, I was going to ask the uh, train station, like, how far, how long of a car drive, or I mean, train ride it would be. Um, they tell you fairly clearly that um, back to London is about an hour or so from where you're at. And then it would probably be another 30 to 40 minutes north. What time is it now? Uh, at this point for you guys, it is probably about 11-ish or so. Okay. Well, then I would say looking at the train schedule, take a train back to London, get cleaned up, and see if there's a train I feel like I'm so close. As do I. You guys get on the train uh, that arrives. It takes probably another 10 or 15 minutes of just sitting at the station waiting for the next train. But because Bedford is further out than London is, once it arrives and you climb aboard, as you guys head deeper and deeper back into the belly of the beast, as, as London is often known as, the passengers around you are definitely having a reaction. Or they are. It's it's very difficult to get away from the smell of, of burning flesh. I'm just going to keep my eyes down. You're keeping your eyes down, Miss O'Shea. And in in your memory, in your, in your head of all the thoughts that are going through it at this point, remembering Walmsley's kaleidoscopic eyes keeps replaying in your head. Yeah, I'm going to open that book again about the Black mm -hmm. Pharaoh to see if there's any reference to colors. Like, maybe that serpent in particular, did it describe the colors that that serpent, the winged serpent had? If it had specific kind of eyes? You don't get a specific eye color per se, but one of the notes in Crompton's book here it does talk about article that he found in the Manchester Guardian that referred to him so he's, he does a little bit of kind of tooting his own horn and he you see that he has uh, kind of transcribed the part of the article about fire that he started in a grammar school and it was all to get this unfinished bronze Egyptian pharaoh bust. Evidently, he set the school on fire, retrieved the bust while the school was on fire, and was seen leaving the building fully engulfed, but not in any way, shape, or form accosted by that fact. Mm. And when did he write this book? Oh, this would have been in the 1800s. Oh, right. It was... Uh... No one. Yep. Okay, so he is long dead. He is, but interestingly enough about this story, and what makes it so curious to your mind as you're reading through it, is that this article in the Manchester Guardian is dated in 1853. Okay. And that people in the area swear it was Crompton who came back for this bust, but supposedly by that time he's dead in fact the, the record here you would know shows that he died in, in 1811 but then 42 some odd years later the paper records that someone fitting his description left the school as it was burning down fully engulfed in flame carrying this bronze pharaoh's mask awesome and you guys get back to the hotel. And the the hotel lobby notices that you arrive. Yes, I'm going to quickly, as fast as I can, make it to our area so we can clean up. The staff do their best to not um, bother their guests, but 
They definitely notice you, Doctor. Yeah, I uh, rush over to the elevator, <laughs> smile, wave at the concierge as on the way by. Oh, you apologize for the smell. I do apologize. <laughs> you may wish to light some candles or something. Head on up to my room and get out of these tanky clothes. Um, you and uh, Jack are rooming together, yes? I do believe so. Jack, your nasal passages are accosted by a pig roast. You wake to the smell of a pig roast. Yeah, I'm going to have to wash my hair, too. So whatever I need to do to do that. Yep. And likewise, Lillian, your room is as well accosted by a rather foul stench. Finding a different set of clothing to wear. Muttering to myself the whole way. <laughs> Probably in German. What is that smell? I'm sorry, Jack. Uh, things did not go as planned at Bedlam Asylum. That smell is the patient formerly known as Mr. Wamsley. Yes, Mr. Wamsley. What exactly happened there? <sighs> we went to ask questions about Miss O'Shea's father. And the man, he said some fairly disturbing things. But the most disturbing part was then at the end. I'm high. I don't, I don't like to use the term, but this is the only term I can think of. He combusted spontaneously. Do I hear them talking? No, not, not in this hotel that the walls here are um very very good okay well i'm just saying like if i could hear like exactly what they were saying but i mean if i heard them talking, you probably you, know, you do probably hear a couple of voices in the room adjacent to you uh, i'm gonna go over there is that jack is jack here because i have stuff to tell him yes my dear come in yes yes miss i'm here i love I love, just as an aside, I love how Maeve went into her own room that she shares with Lillian, <laughs> likely woke her up, and then left. <laughs> Here, have right. some smell. I'll be right back. <laughs> so you, Here, have some this, this smell. Is, this have is, some is, misery loves This complete. is absolutely something that uh, Lillian would notice. There, it is un, you're, You would be unable to get away from this. Yeah, it, it woke me up for my nap. And I just kind of wrinkle my nose and I'm like... It would have woken you up from the dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like shake my head and I kind of get up and go find a bathroom to hide in, you know, to try to get away from it. It's a good idea. <laughs> okay. So, Jack, I have more information about this black pharaoh. Oh, God, Jack, she smells like death. <laughs> Da Doctor casually opens the window. <laughs> um. So one of their main symbols is the inverted ankh. Okay. Do you know what I'm speaking about? I don't know. Do I? Probably not. Okay. Then I will grab the book and uh, show him the symbol. Um, Jack, this looks like something similar to what uh, Pencher shows you. Oh yeah, I probably saw something in you know somewhere in the museum there. The other thing is they so they have a ritual, which is it's really graphic. But um, one of the things that they do that involves potential cannibalism is they use this spiked club. And I have a picture of it, so I'll show them the picture. And it rends the flesh from living beings, people. Oh, so according to... Uh... The uh, detect the inspector at Scotland Yard. This is what pe they've been using in the Egyptian murders, something like this. So it's very much this cult. It sounds like, and they referred to their black pharaoh as Nephren Ka, but it's it sounds like it, it's very similar to Naroth. I can never say his name. Anyways, the other guy you were talking Better about. Let, let um, Maybe it's best you don't say his name. Yes. 
and they supposedly summon a winged spirit and they perform acts to this body while it's still alive. It's part of their ritual. The other thing, we went to go find Wolmsley. I originally found him because when I was looking for my father, the last place he was at was the spiritual society. So we went there and the doctor was actually gracious enough to let me become a member so that I have access to their library. So my father was looking for a way to help my mother and he believed that another maybe something from another dimension or him going could help alleviate whatever was pestering my mother which I've gotten the feeling that there's actually something there and it's not just her being crazy I think something is driving her crazy so my father wanted to prepare a ritual so that he could basically get a portal right I have to tell you all this because it'll make sense here in a minute okay okay and you have to have four people so they performed this ritual. Things went bad. My father's missing, right? So we went to go see Peter Wolmsley at Bedford Asylum because I figured that somebody that wasn't maybe fully in control of their faculties might share a little more information than somebody else because one of the one of the people ended up dead. But the ritual that they had made a black pharaoh reference right okay so when we were seeing Wolmsley and he was being a little off so when my father crossed over to the other dimension apparently something else came out and possessed him and he ended up killing one of the other students that were a part of this ritual he said that he couldn't control it he said that he was possessed before this guy um burst into flames spontaneously I was looking at him and well before that he had been talking about how he saw these lights in this portal but his eyes changed colors to the colors that he was talking about and then he burst into flame on our way home hopefully you're connecting the dots here on our way home I looked back in that book so um this book was written in 1801. Oh, okay. okay. The author, uh, Montgomery Crompton, was believed to have died in 1811. There's this article in 1853 saying that somebody who fit Crompton's description started a fire at a school so that he could get a hold of an Egyptian mask that he was seen leaving the scene on fire but lived to write about it is is there a description of that egyptian mask uh it's bronze was there a description or a picture of it there was not a picture of it the newspaper article that from what you can interpret crompton transcribed about himself right many decades after his own death right it, it was a bronze-colored Egyptian mask, or bronze Egyptian yeah. mask of some sort. It's just a bronze Egyptian mask, potentially a pharaoh's mask. Mike, was was that mask that uh, Ilda had shown me, was that bronze or...? Uh, it was not, no. Okay, I didn't I didn't think so, but I wanted to make sure. Nope. It was it was uh, porcelain or marble, wasn't it? Because it was white, I, I it was Mother of Pearl. Ah, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. So, I guess it seems that me looking for my father is also potentially helping us look for a cult. I did mention it was started in Liverpool, correct? Uh, I believe something was mentioned last time. Okay. The other thing is that he died in 1811 but still wrote about himself 40 years later hmm. and I believe that whatever came down to that portal and possessed Wolmsley may be Crompton huh. this is uh, this is a lot to absorb right now 
Okay. Well, I'll I'll let you have that, and I'm gonna go get cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna like drop this in your lap and thanks, walk thanks away. Thanks for that uh, information bomb. <laughs> the, the doctor just sits on the bed and smiles at Jack. You see what I had to do today? <laughs> Hex by the smell. Okay, so uh, Miss O'Shea, you head back into into your room with Lillian, and she's opening windows probably or going and sitting in the bathroom and like you need to you know utilize the 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 facilities so that way you can properly clean yourself yeah i probably go in our room get clothes and then knock on the bathroom door i peek out the bathroom door and the windows open up in the bathroom i'm there's that smell and um like i cover my nose and my mouth i'm like may have what died oh my goodness well, actually, it was who, and he caught on fire. <laughs> but I need in there so I can shower. I got a gas. <gasps> you, uh, um, yeah, that's all yours. I just head out and open up a window in, in the living in like the the common area and like you know sit as close to as I possibly can <laughs> without falling out. At this point, I'm just trying to focus on the next thing I need to do so that I don't scream or cry. So she's like, I need in there. Thank you. All hers. The uh, the, the two of you collectively get uh, cleaned up. It's probably a little longer of a process for Miss O'Shea than it is for you, Doctor. But, uh, but after a good scouring, the both of you feel clean enough to uh, continue for the day. It does take us more towards the afternoon at that point. Um, I wouldn't imagine that Jack and uh, and Miss Lane get back to sleep after that. No. Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> Jack, especially you, you're kind of ground zero for all of Miss O'Shea's ravings. And truth be told, it was a lot to follow. And you're not quite <laughs> sure you aren't, you understand it all. Yeah, I, I'm uh, extremely confused about everything that happened. But I'm sure we'll I'll figure it out eventually. I hope. Oh, that's what I'll do. And so when we get on our net, I'm just going to put this out there anyways. <laughs> so when we get on the train to go out to the house, I'm going to start basically writing like a, a mind map on where all these things, basically, you know, like a conspiracy theory, <laughs> but without the red yes, twine. Yes, made it here finally. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'll help her craft that in any way. I yeah, can. I'm just going to try and draw it on a piece of paper in one of my notebooks. You realize that now that it's getting closer to, say, probably three or four o'clock that you're getting hungry. Oh, yeah. Um, you, have, you haven't Should eaten since that. the morning. You you suddenly realize that the clock is now against you, um, as it will take you probably up until after dinner time, what with the uh, London rush hour to, to get all the way out to Camden. Do you want to pick up some food on the way? Yeah, why don't we get some of their little um, Mm -hmm. meat pie things? I was just going to suggest a meat pie. Easily. easily. So you guys are going to pick something up and and head out, okay? Yeah. Jack and uh, Mr. Forsyth, you're heading to the Blue Pyramid Club, I imagine, around about the time that you uh, expect it to be open? Mike, before Mm -hmm. we leave... I actually, I stop right before we leave and look at uh, Miss O'Shea. Uh, Maeve, do you want to maybe see if Lillian wishes to come along? Another set of eyes might be good. I understand if you want to keep it just between you and I. That is okay with me. But I was just more idly wondering if perhaps it was a good idea. Well, I guess what I mostly worry about is she doesn't deal with occult stuff at all. And I don't know if she can handle a lot of the stuff that happens. Well, I mean, you know, there's no time like the present. Yeah, but we just left one raving lunatic. Do we want to bring, potentially, have another one with us? Oh, mathematically speaking, what are the odds that we're going to go through something just that horrible again? Um, are you new? The doctor gets a big grin on his face as he says it. Yeah, I... 
because yes this does tie to the cult that they're investigating but it's not really the investigation at large I feel bad dragging anybody else with also I haven't really talked to them about everything that's happened the only reason I told Jack as much as I did is because he had to understand where the connection is I understand Liebchen if you wish to keep it that way I will honor that let us go then and we so will I open the door for uh, so Mr. Forsyth and uh, and Doyle you uh, head down into Soho at night to head to the Blue Pyramid Club fantastic well we'll get to that well hopefully nobody will burst into flames or hopefully everyone bursts into flames you know, you, indeed, you never know. Um, so the night in Soho is a little bit more wild than the day. Uh, the neighborhood itself comes alive, and uh, there's there's quite a quite an air of uh, notoriousness. Events happening around here. It, it almost feels like uh, it almost feels like the papers that you've read about Mardi Gras. Jack, hiding down Mirror Street, you uh, locate the front of the club. You even see, as you're turning onto the street, someone go through the uh, one of the black doors. I'll be right behind him, but kind of like uh, keeping an eye out less on the door and more on the street. <laughs> sure. You knock, and after a moment, it opens, and you see a very well-dressed doorman. Uh, he's dressed from head to toe in black and uh, gold piping. Mm-hmm. Gold buttons, gold cuffs. It's very Art Deco. Uh, very trendy, almost. And you hear a subtle hint of jazz music coming from somewhere. Well, step in. He takes a step back. Okay. Okay. Lawrence, you as well? Yep. The uh, the door shuts. Before before we get started, I would like it noted that I am carrying a weapon. <laughs> Okay. Actually, too. The uh, well-dressed doorman presents you a logbook, a very long, elegant black logbook. And he says, it's quite simple, gentlemen. Five pounds, Sterling. And sign your name to the logbook. Very good. Uh, The logbook is filled with all, uh, an entire list of names. Some of them are in English, some of them are in English. Get a uh, quick idea if uh, Zahir, Shafiq, or anybody else in there. Zahara Shafiq? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Zahra Shafiq? Um, Yeah, you can absolutely scan the book and see if she's there. All right. We need a note. uh, Yeah, probably spot hidden. Wrong game system. Thank you. Hard success. Uh, You do not see her name on this list. Yeah, she's probably been around for a long time. I'm sure the list is goes back quite a ways. It probably does. I have other ideas on that, but I won't say them out loud. Okay. Um, so after you pay the five pounds and you sign the book, the uh, doorman steps aside and he gestures to uh, a lift or an elevator. We, they would call it a lift here. Right this way, gentlemen. Okay. He opens the lift doors, and you see that there's another gentleman dressed similarly to the doorman you just left. And uh, he bades you enter, and then once you are in, he presses a button, and you begin slowly climbing up. All right. Nice. Ooh, they got an elevator. The further and further you go up, the more and more jazz music you hear gets louder and louder Uh, when you exit on those floors the third floor there when you exit you hear a full scale party the inside of this blue pyramid club is extravagant it's a stunning level of subterfuge that's gone on here The outside of this building in Soho is a wonderful cover. 
for a opulent and very expensively ornated club. Uh, you can tell here that every single piece of furniture and decoration has had an extra level tension placed on it. Uh, there is a clear Egyptian theme. Um, the club is noisy. Uh, there is a cacophony of voices as soon as you exit the elevator. There is a, uh, a long and uh, inviting bar to your right. There is a floor for floor seating. And then at the back end of the club, you can tell that there is a dance stage. And in perfect synchronicity, there are four or five belly dancers moving along with the rapturous jazz music. You can see that there are customers paying very close attention to these figures. Uh, it's four women, one man in a rather decadent series of dances. Hello. There's even a palm tree here. Now this is my kind of party. <laughs> is it the palm tree? Is that what does it? Not quite. But it's a nice touch. You can also tell uh, probably within the first few moments of taking this in that the guests here are dressed very well. It's not a black tie event by any means, but uh, there are no slouches here socially. None of the underclasses. No, no, there are no proles present. <laughs> Besides us. Right. Well, yeah, you now. <laughs> well, I mean, Jack, more than me, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you two doing? I guess we will uh, find, it's yeah, the bar. find a place in the bar. Okay. There's a quartet of musicians continuing to keep the music going. Um, you see uh, several able-bodied bartenders assist you with whatever drinks you require. All of the alcohol here that you imbibe seems and tastes above board. So uh, I'll talk to the bartender. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is our uh, first time here. Oh, welcome. Welcome. What's there to do here, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> he gives you a wide smile. His uh, tanned olive skin nods a bit. Oh, there's many things you can find here to do, my friend. You should enjoy the floor show. Uh, the dancers here are top-notch, best in London. They're certainly lovely. Keep your coins handy, he uh, calls to you. I do that. Yes. So uh, I guess I'll turn to the uh, the floor show. But I want to I want to kind of scan the room. Okay. What are you looking for specifically, Jack? I don't know. I'm kind of looking for anything that stands out. Something odd, I guess. There are an awful lot of what you would believe are Arabic or uh, Middle Eastern men here. Most of varying um, ages, but there are some definite. Definite Egyptian businessman here. It seems to be their largest count of clientele. There are also, obviously, right alongside them, Anglo, you know, dyed-in-the-wool white Londoners here as well. And as the uh, floor show becomes a mobile event, the uh, members here begin to fidget into their pockets for coins and as the uh, dancers pass them they seem to find a, a gap in their dress or clothing piece to pay the dancers and even as they get closer and closer to the middle portion of the club itself you can see that you can see in here that they the dancers pick up a bit more of a uh, a jingle to their step I also want to keep an eye out, but I'm looking for people who are looking at us. So uh, if you would like to give me a spot hidden roll, Lawrence, in an attempt to spot people spotting you. I would love to. You're not paranoid at all. 
Nope. And, well, I don't see anything. 67 over 57. This is an absolutely wonderful location. It is. It seems peaceful and pleasurable. And no prohibition. Mm, No. (laughs) And uh, the folks here are readily enjoying the fact that there is no prohibition. (laughs) I'll turn back to the waiter. Excuse me. If uh, I was planning a uh, trip to Egypt, would there be somebody in this room that could uh, help me specifically? Yes, of course. I'm sure that there are uh, many businessmen here who could help you. Uh, When are you planning on going to Egypt? Uh, Probably in a few weeks. Hmm. All right. What what method would you take to get there? Boat? I would assume so, yes. Train? Probably a boat. Very well. Uh, There are... uh... Many ships that leave Southampton wouldn't be too difficult, or you could go, I suppose, you could go up to Liverpool if you needed to. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was somebody here who uh, specializes in moving back and forth between Egypt and London. Somebody with a lot of connections there. Well, I believe... I believe I can point you in the way of a man. Why don't you take the table over there at the far end? He points to across your uh, shoulder into a, a middle or but yet back section of the club where there's a, a club table that's made available. There's a man I'll put you in contact with. His name is Mahmoud. He should be able to assist you in what I think you're asking for. Oh. Well, thank you. And, uh, I'll take my drink, uh, Lawrence. Of course. Yep. You guys sit down, and a couple minutes later, a rather well-dressed Egyptian man uh, stops over and gives you a slight bow as he approaches the table. May I sit? Of course. Uh, Mahmoud, I assume? Yes, Mahmoud. Uh, He sits down carefully. Stand, um, you're looking to go to Egypt. Yes. Soon enough here. All right. Um, Is it just the two of you? No, there'll be several of us. Hmm. Five. Very well, very well. Six. Is there anything that... Is there any specific uh, things that you'll be needing to bring with? Just uh, some light luggage. Maybe a few weapons. Hmm. He nods knowingly. It should be relatively easy to get you to your destination. He finishes his drink. He kind of looks around a bit and motions to one of the uh, waitresses that's working the floor. A very elegantly Egyptian styled dress wearing woman. Another, please. Would you like another drink? Oh, certainly. Oh, please. He uh, puts the symbol up for three and then waves her away. Uh, you you understand, my friends, that this is this is something that is not complicated for a man like me. I have many connections here within London and and also into into Egypt. Now, uh, do you know Cairo, your destination? Yes. Yes. Yes, it would. Hmm. Very well. Very well. Cairo and perhaps a bit downriver. Hmm. I see. Interesting. Well, um, I could make the arrangements. What uh, What is the time frame you're looking for? We have a few things to finish up here, so it'd be at least a couple of weeks, probably. When you are sure of the date and time, he reaches into his jacket and pulls out a business card. You can reach me. I'm just not too far, but uh, just a bit north. Give my office a call. I'll handle everything. Sir, it's wonderful. Oh, that Thank would be you great. so much. And in- enjoy your uh, stay. Can I ask you a couple more questions before you leave? Oh, of course, of course. I was kind of interested in maybe learning some of your language. Would there be somebody who could... Uh, Tutor me between now and our arrival? Or... 
I could make arrangements for someone aboard the vessel to uh, walk you through some rudimentary phrases, but the uh, Arabic is a complex language that would take time to understand and, and fully utilize. Well, even a little bit, I think, would be uh, handy. Sure. Is it uh, best? Is it best to hire a man uh, to go with, or is it best to hire a man when we get there? No, no. Hi- hire someone when, when when you arrive. I will put you in contact with uh, men who are trustworthy. Now, you understand that uh, Cairo can be uh, uh, it can be very unfortunate to visitors who do not understand its ways. That's understandable. Also, um, I had heard uh, rumors of a uh, spice merchant who tended to spend time here, and I I was really fascinated. It was a woman. Mm. Really? Yes, which I thought was odd, considering the nature of this club. (laughs) Oh, you must understand... um... Things are much different here in London. Uh, you can see that there are men dancing for coins just as there are women. Now, there are women members of the club, several of them. They enjoy the club just like its male members. Do I, I, I just take a look over the crowd. Do I see any women in the crowd? You do see a few, Mr. Forsyth. There's a few women here. And some of them are not so covertly spending their coins on both men and women. Oh, it's real progressive here. I like that. Um, That's shocking. <laughs> woman's name was uh, Zahar Zafik, I believe. I've heard of her. Yes, she owns a uh, she owns a spice shop not too far from here. Well, maybe I'll go uh, into this shop and see if I can... Uh, talk to her you know I just I just find uh, you understand that it's a lot different than where I come from and I find the whole thing fascinating there are many cultures that you have yet to experience the waitress returns with your drinks he takes his and stands up and gives you a courteous salute when you are ready my friend to travel to the land of the kings call on me I will be ready Thank you. I'll be glad to. Thank you. You guys enjoy your drink. Why don't you give both give me a spot hidden roll? Extreme success. Nine under 57. Oh, wow. I failed miserably. I critical failed. (laughs) You did. That is a critical failure, sir. Very good. Mr. Forsyth, you are drinking your drink and, and enjoying it. It, the, uh, the whiskey that they're that they've given you is smooth and easily drinkable. Uh, it's at the point when you're about to finish this glass, somewhat later on, because uh, obviously you're you're trying to enjoy it. Um, you notice that there is something written on the napkin that you were given. Oh. Wonder what it says. Are you gonna take a look at it? I absolutely will. Okay. Uh, you kind of pull the napkin a little bit closer, uh, Jack. You're a little busy staring at all the dancers uh, as uh-huh. the speed of the music has picked up, and so has the speed of their hips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally uh, invested in that now. <laughs> so the note, Mister Forsyth. Penned in what appears to be a feminine hand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It says, "It says, meet me at the arches, two blocks west." And this was the serving girl who put this napkin it down was. there. Yep. So sorry. The full message: Meet me down the street near the arches at midnight. You can see that it's about half past eleven. Jack. Hmm. Take a look at this. I'm looking. Oh, what? <laughs> I tapped the table. You t- you see the message finally, Jack. Interesting. What time is it? Yeah. 
it's uh, getting close. Maybe we should. Shall uh, we take a walk in the moonlight? Are you coming on to me? <laughs> yes, we should go. Don't be silly. I'd do that here. <laughs> All right. So the two of you step up and uh, head out of the Blue Pyramid Club. And After I think that is, yeah. that is the perfect that, time to end it. I hear that Jack's a fairly, a fairly, uh, 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 people find him interesting. He's progressive. There's nothing wrong with that. He is. Uh, and so we'll pick it up next week. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons for support. We have some new patrons to thank, and we have some folks who have gone above and beyond. So one of our backers, Tensoon Shadow, is the first member of the Illuminated, so I want to congratulate you on that, sir, and all of the trouble you are bound to cause both of our storylines. Uh, and if you aren't a member of the patron yet, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash the old ways podcast and join in our patron backers have tons of benefits that they get a hold of. You can join us on the show. You can be a part of the pre-show fist fight. We do. There's a ton of advantages to it. So we hope you check it out and we will see you next week.